All right, welcome everyone. Happy Wednesday. Super excited to see all of you back again for another great chat. Um, as we get going here, I just want to say welcome. My name is Meg. I'm part of Power to Fly's virtual hosting team, and I am super excited to be um, introducing you to our next speaker. Before I do that, I just want to go over a couple quick housekeeping items for all of you. If you've joined us for a prior chat, this will be a little bit repetitive. I'm sorry, we'll try and get through it quickly for you. Um, so as you see here, there's a couple different things to note. One of the biggest things is that we want you uh, to participate. As our audience, especially those of you that took time out of your day to be here with us live, we want to make sure that the time you spend with us is well worth it. So um, if you would like to participate in this event, make it a little bit more personable and interactive, we greatly encourage that. So you can do it in a couple different ways. You can come off mute to ask a question or add comments or context to your question. You can also share in the, um, in the Zoom chat, um, uh, you know, just in the general chat there, or you can send a direct message to me, just pick my name from the dropdown. Instead of sending your message to everyone, just send it to Meg. Um, if you do come off mute for whatever reason, whether to you know, um, ask a question or just accidentally, you likely will show up on the recording for today's session as well as on the live stream. Now, if you have any kind of privacy concerns, no worries. Even if you have your camera on right now, as long as you don't come off mute, you will not show up on the live recording, camera or otherwise. If you do come off mute, whatever is up will show. So either your, your live feed of your camera, your display name, your avatar, that's what will show up. Um, like I said, today's session is being recorded. So everyone that registered for today's session will get an email in about one to two business days that has a link to where they can rewatch this recording on the Power to Fly website. Now, um, that's for everyone, whether you signed up and didn't actually make it to the, the chat today, hi from the past or into the future. Um, if you join us for five minutes, but you can't stay for the full 60, you'll still get a link. Everybody gets a link as long as they register. Um, so don't worry about that. But if Jackie says something today that is just absolutely mind blowing and you cannot wait to share it with a coworker or a friend or a relative, you don't have to. You can head on over to our YouTube channel. Um, we have a dedicated one for chat and lens. And once you're there, you can check out the recording for this, um, this chat. It'll be posted usually about five to 15 minutes after the end of today's session. Ooh, sorry, y'all. Um, as well as um, you can check out uh, links to, or you can check out recordings of past chats as well. Now, one thing I want to highlight is that, you know, we have our YouTube channel. We've actually got two, one that's dedicated for chat and learns and one that's more of our mainstream one. Um, but I highly recommend that you subscribe there. It's a great way to make sure that you don't miss out on chats like this, even if you are not registered for them. Um, but I also recommend that you check out our other social um, media channels as well. We are at Power to Fly on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, as well as YouTube. So please feel free to take photos or video as we go, and you can share with your friends that you are learning with Power to Fly today. We want to make sure that people know about these resources so they can take advantage of them, and there's no better way than word of mouth. So definitely tell people um, that you are taking advantage of these free resources. Um, okay, so to jump us into our introductions, I am really pleased to introduce you all to Jackie Feminella. So Jackie is a senior front-end engineer at Guru, a knowledge management solution based in Philadelphia. She started her career in technical recruiting for an advertising technology startup before she learned how to code and transitioned into software engineering. So welcome, Jackie. We're so happy to have you today. Hi. Thank you. Happy to be here. Is there anything that you'd like to add um, to your bio or any other information that you'd like to give our audience before we um, move on to questions? 
Um, the only other thing I guess I would supplement based on this was that I, saying I started in technical recruiting, I actually had a year before that, that was also kind of floundering around. Um, and I was working in television production out in California. So there's a whole another chapter in there of like things I learned and tried that have led me to where I am right now um, that I'm happy to get into. So sounds nice and concise, I think, like as I see what I wrote here, but um, it was definitely, and like will always be, I'm sure a lot more complicated than, than that. But yeah, other wow. than that, um, I see a lot of guru people here as well. And I'm so um, happy to see them all here. Excellent, excellent. And I can completely second the idea of like, you look back over your bio and you're like, oh, that seems a lot more like neat and wrapped up than I remember it being. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so as we, um, before we get to our questions today, I just wanna highlight that obviously Jackie is here as part of the Guru team. They are sponsoring today's chat and learn and Guru is hiring. So I'm putting a link into your, into the chat right now to where you can check out this company page that I'm showing you up on the screen. Now, what this is gonna do, the link that I shared with you is gonna take you to Guru's company page on Power to Fly. You can see a couple of really cool things here. You can check out some more info about the company. Um, you can click on events to look at um, both uh, events that they have participated in in the past with us, so recordings of past events, or you can take, um, it'll also show you the um, upcoming events that they are scheduled to participate with. So, you know, things like our chat and learns, our mini summits, our virtual job fairs, all that kind of stuff. The other thing you can do on this page is check out open jobs. So I'm on the Guru page currently, and it looks like they've got 19 open roles posted with us. And one of the things I recommend, especially if you are, you know, if, let's say you're actively searching, but don't see anything in this um, job list that really speaks to you. Um, or if you are maybe not actively searching, but you're just kind of taking a look around, trying to see, you know, what, what's out there. There's going to be a big, at the top of this page, when you get there, there's going to be a big pink button that says follow. It'll be in the upper right-hand corner of the page. I recommend that you click that for a couple different reasons. Um, once you click it, it's going to put you on your on their follow network for Guru. Um, the HR team can take a look at this list whenever they like. And basically what it does is it works like your friend at the company. It puts you on Guru's radar and says, hey, you know, this person's really interested in working with you. And it does that even before you fill out an application. But then it also keeps you updated when they post new roles. So it's a really great way to make sure that um, you know, you're not losing track of an interesting company, either now during an active job search or for the future. Um, so definitely take advantage of that. It's a really nice feature. You can follow and unfollow as many companies as you like. You can follow and unfollow companies as many times as you like. But obviously, we recommend that you take a, take a look at Guru's um, page to see what else they have going on and what else they might be able to offer you as, as a potential future employee. Um, all right. So... Last but not least, this, um, what you're seeing on the screen now is some of the principal themes that we're going to try and go over in today's conversation. Now, we compiled these both by taking a look at, you know, having conversations with Jackie prior to today's session, as well as taking a look at the questions that y'all submitted prior to today's um, chat. So when you registered, there was an option to submit questions. What we've done is we've gathered all those together. We have, you know, kind of removed redundant ones and hopefully gathered them into some kind of a conversational format. Now, we're, so what you see on front of you is the, the topics we're going to try to cover today. But um, if you are, if you, you know, if you took the time to be with us, we want to give you, um, you know, kind of the best experience possible. So if you are joining us today and you didn't submit a question, but something comes up, you know, occurs to you during the session, 
please let us know. Share it in the chat. You can come off mute to ask. Um, it's the same thing if, you know, if we're asking, if we're addressing a question that you submitted and maybe we're not quite getting the angle at which you wanted to ask it, or maybe you want to give us some context that'll, you know, help us kind of get you to, to a better, um, a better, uh, answer or better advice, please feel free to share that too. Um, so just know that you have the ability to really drive today's conversation. Um, and so what we want to make sure we cover is the stuff that's important to you. Um, so we're going to try and go over a couple things. Um, we're going to talk about what a growth mindset is versus a fixed mindset. We're going to talk about some specific tips that you can um, use to help foster that growth mindset through your thoughts and habits. And we're going to talk about how a growth mindset can really help you in your career. Um, so as we go into the questions, um, that's just kind of something to keep in mind that we're going to try and cover today in the time uh, allowed. So what we've got for our first question, um, let me stop sharing my page here. There we go. So for our first question, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, Jackie, this person says, after a 20-year career with different roles at, and units at a university, I'm pursuing a role outside of the university that has some stretch goals and would push me a bit out of my comfort zone. How can I prepare myself and build my confidence to make this transition? I think this applies, you know, obviously it's, it's a specific case that this person's talking about, but the question at its heart really applies to a lot of different people, right? Um, if you are going for a role that's maybe not identical to what you've done before, um, it doesn't even have to be an industry switch for you to kind of feel like you need to make this, this transition and, and bring a little something extra to your job search to, to uh, you know, to accomplish that. So how, how would you, what would you recommend to this person um, in terms of prepare, preparation and building up their confidence? Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think the first thing that comes to mind is to understand why you want to make this change. Um, and personally, I would write it down. So a lot of the things that I think I'll probably suggest will always be followed up with like, write this down, because I think it really helps. Um, solidify and create some evidence for yourself for in the future if you're doubting something or you you know encounter a challenge in this change um like we all do you have this um kind of artifact to look back on that reminds you why this is the change you want whether that's you know this will be better for my family life my balance um work-life balance it will challenge me in different ways um so write that down I think I, I tend to do that before I make a major transition. I try to like document all of the evidence that backs up why I want to do this um, and shows me then how long I've been thinking about this. And then I really like believe myself because I've created this evidence. Um, I think with that as well, like transitioning to something new, um, I would try to reflect back on times where you've made other transitions and build up that um, evidence in a different way of, okay, I haven't done this exact thing before, but I've made this change before and that went well in the end. And this is what worked in preparing for that. And so kind of introspect and analyze what has worked in the past or maybe what didn't work and what you could try differently. So for example, for me, like I've noticed now that anytime I am making a big change, like when I moved from New York to Philadelphia a few years ago, I realized that I get um, I get like a psychosomatic um, kind of manifestation of stress, like something weird will feel I'll feel like, oh, this thing is hurting. 
Um, and I've noticed that I just get that from a lot of stress. And so I can handle that and kind of manage it differently. So um, yeah, that, that's what comes to mind for me, like writing things down to back yourself up so that you understand why you really want this transition. And you have that there as a reference going forward when things get hard and also write down um, how you've handled things like this in the past and kind of build up that like prep toolkit for yourself and talk to other people that know you well to help you kind of suffice that too. But yeah, I'd love to hear if anyone Um, else has tips too. Yeah, please feel free as we're going through this. Um, you know, if you have, uh, even if, if, if what your advice would be is completely different than what Jackie's saying, please feel free to share this in the chat. I mean, one of the things that I love about these sessions is we frequently have people who, even if they wouldn't like describe themselves as subject matter experts, people who have been through these situations before. And for me, you know, it can even really help to look to hear how someone else has handled it, even when it's an approach I would never take myself. For, you know, either valid or kind of, you know, mm-hmm. invalid reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely helpful to hear how other people handle these situations. So mm-hmm. definitely please feel free to chime in in the chat. Um, I see Amy commenting that they, she totally relates to that and is going through this right now. Um, and I absolutely love what you said, Jackie, because the, I, I feel like I tend to make pro-cons lists a lot when I'm trying to make a decision. But I love the idea of making a, like a, a list or you know, kind of a cheat sheet to refer back to about why you want to make this change. Um, and it's just distinct enough to maybe be like kind of a bit of like the pros list, but also you know, have that, that switch of, of thinking about it in terms of not necessarily reasons why you don't want to be where you are, but reasons why you do want to be where you're going. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really great. Yeah. yeah. Something else that comes to mind along the lines of like writing something down. Um, I stole this from a podcast by Marie Forleo. I would highly recommend her as um, someone to reference for strategies around things like this job transitions. I know she focuses on like entrepreneurship specifically, but has a lot of great advice and like quotable type mantras that can really stick with you and um, help you find some direction in times like this. And something that she recommended a while ago that I practice now is when you're approaching a transition like this or deciding to make a choice um, and you're weighing those pros and cons to write down what the best case scenario from this decision would be, what the worst case scenario from this would be. And if you hit that worst case scenario, specific steps you would take to get you through that or back on track um, so that you're kind of like hoping for the best, preparing for the worst, and can really, again, provide yourself with that evidence of I've thought this through um, and I'm prepared for what I believe my worst case scenario from this could be. Yeah, I feel that hard. Um, I I have a, a, I won't say a bunch of mental issues, but like <laughs> I suffer from bipolar disorder and I have ADHD and these are all tactics that my therapist works with me on as well. Um, you know, one of the things she's constantly reminding me is that fear and excitement chemically are the same feeling in your body. Mm-hmm. It's the same, um, you know, the same hormones being released or the same chemicals being released from your brain it's really all in whether you think this is going to be good or you think this experiment experience is going to be bad. And so that's really helped me to not only like reframe those kind of butterflies, but to also help back up, like you said, like, you know, think about what the potential outcome is. What do you want to happen? What is the best case and worst case scenario? And then what's likely to happen? 
Mm -hmm. um, and that helps me at least to kind of keep from spiraling or or kind of blowing up the the importance or proportions of a, of a decision or of a choice um, way bigger than what they need to be. So hopefully that'll help some people. Um, I also grabbed the, I think it's the link to the podcast. I, I grabbed the Apple link. So hope, uh, apologies if that doesn't work for people, but I think it's the same woman, um, Marie yes, yeah. and Leo. So definitely check that out. Um, all right. So we have another question in here about kind of imposter syndrome, but before we jump into that, I just want to talk a little bit about this growth mindset. Cause it's been, it's, I mean, it's in the title of today's chat and we didn't, we didn't really have any submitted questions from people that really addressed it head on. So let's talk a little bit about that growth mindset, um, especially in, in terms of maybe where people might already be and, you know, whether they are in a fixed mindset or maybe where they're already in a growth mindset and don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. So growth mindset and fixed mindset, um, these are two concepts or labels that um, a psychologist named Carol Dweck uh, researched initially with children in schools and studied the effects of mindset on um, accomplishments in school and, and how they actually felt about their accomplishments. Um, and so a fixed mindset is more so classified by feeling like your um, ability or intelligence is innate and inherent to you and you're just born with this um, and this is who you are and you're kind of limited by that. Um, whereas a growth mindset tries to frame it more in the, in the sense of I can change my intelligence and abilities and capabilities with effort, with time, with training, with perseverance um, from mistakes and failures that I learned from um, and can actually uh, push past further than maybe if you're in a fixed mindset, what you would be able to tolerate or accomplish. Um, and so those two things, I think for me, I, I think I was more so in a fixed mindset for the beginning of my engineering career. And like, I think it's worth stating that these are both things we all toggle back and forth in. Like, I don't think there's a, like, I know the title of the talk is overcoming imposter syndrome. Um, I don't think there's an end goal state with all of this. I think it's, um, there's just, for me, wanting to find the types of thought patterns and habits and frameworks that can help me feel healthier and help me feel more on the right track for where I want to go in my career. So I think we all toggle between both. Um, and yeah, I think imposter syndrome can tie into a fixed mindset um, and things like that, but I'll, I'll pause there for a second. Thank you for that. And I just want to highlight for anybody, um, you know, if you have questions or you would like us to follow up or expand on something, please feel free to ask. Um, obviously, you can do your best not to interrupt Jackie or one of our other attendees, but I get paid to fill a silence. So please feel free to interrupt me um, if you have a question you'd like to raise to Jackie. Um, all right. So you mentioned the, the idea of imposter syndrome and how there's not really, it's not like a location, right? You can't get to, you know, the, I no longer have this. I think it's something that, yes, it's been kind of buzzwordy and we've been talking a lot about it, but I don't think it, that necessarily means that it's it's something that ebbs and flows, right? I don't think that it's something that nobody suffered from before we started talking about it, you know, middle of last year. Mm -hmm. um, so what are, what are some of the signs that we can kind of look for in ourselves to see if 
what we're feeling is actually imposter syndrome. Because I, I know from talking to, especially some of my friends or my coworkers, there's times when they feel imposter syndrome, but a lot of it is not necessarily imposter syndrome. It's more of an anxiety, which can be kind of part and parcel of the same thing. But you know, imposter syndrome is a little bit more distinct. Um, so to your, to your knowledge, like what are some of those key signs we should be looking for? Yeah, so yeah, that was a really good note around the, you know, a year ago when the buzzword started becoming more um, popular because I, I actually looked into this because I didn't realize when imposter syndrome was coined and it was first researched in the 70s. So it's been along um, around and studied for a lot longer than I realized. Um, and I think what distinguishes it is it's, again, similar to a mindset. It's not just who you are. It's a tendency um, and a thought pattern that kind of puts you in this place where you can't internalize your success. You feel like um, your accomplishments are kind of masking your actual poor ability at your job. and so you don't believe that your accomplishments um, are a real reflection on what you're capable of. And so you're in this state where you're worried that the next thing you tackle or the next thing you try, that's gonna be the thing that finally exposes you as like, oh, I shouldn't have gotten this job. Um, oh, I shouldn't have um, been accepted at this school. You are operating in this mode where you're trying to protect against being found out um, as someone who should not be in the position that you're in. Now, thank you for kind of dialing that out because I feel like that's something that people not necessarily miss, but the fact that you can have imposter syndrome and you can be dealing with imposter syndrome um, over, regardless of how successful you may or may not be, um, whether it's your perceived success or others' perceived success of, of you know, what their perceptions are about you it's entirely possible to suffer from this, but you're right. It's that idea that you're going to, they're going to find out. How are they going to know? They're going to know. Um, yeah. So that's one of the things that I, I, when I deal with stuff like this, it's definitely more around the idea of either not being able to replicate past results um, or somehow, somehow like just not being able to accomplish what I should be able to based on my past track record. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know my husband suffers from this people, it, it doesn't have to be somebody at like, you know, a pinnacle of their career either. It's entirely possible to go through points, if not having this like, kind of low level running in the background a lot, um, where you just, you're pretty sure that you don't know what you're doing. Um, and that's, I don't know about you, Jackie, but for me, it's really helpful to remember that we are all doing this for the first time. Nobody has done today before. No, yeah. And even if you have done what you're doing for a million years, every day is going to be slightly different. Um, yeah. So that super helps me is the fact that yeah. we're kind of making it up as we go along. Yeah, definitely. I think that's huge. Like just being able to connect over it and realize that you're not the only person feeling it. It's actually the opposite. Most of us are feeling it. And like you said, it doesn't stop at a certain point. I think, um, I think like my personal goal is to get better at managing it so that it doesn't negatively affect um, my life. And so I know in the, actually I'll share a link to um, the original research paper I found that um, studied imposter syndrome. And 
they found that one of the um, most effective things to improve this or alleviate the like the stress of all of this was just uh, getting women, it was studying, studying women specifically, getting women together who were experiencing this to talk about it. And there was a lot of shock and surprise between all of them being like, you feel this way? No, you're awesome. Like, I feel this way. And they, you know, flip sides go back and forth. And so um, it's, from what I've read, it's very common in high achieving women. Um, and you put this stress on yourself to constantly be achieving more. And it can be associated with perfectionism in that feeling of this next thing, I'll feel more validated or like I deserve to be here. Um, and so, yeah, it, it can lead to other states of anxiety and stress and things like that. And it can all be intermixed as well. Oh, for sure. And actually, we've got some really good questions coming in in the chat here. Um, so Melissa had said, what do you think about the difference between imposter syndrome and women in tech versus the culture of tech pushing those women out of positions? Um, also, Sarah had chimed in saying um, there's also the, the element that it's all complicated by microaggressions, systemic racism, systemic exclusion in the workplace. Um, so I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on that because you're right. Like this idea of people really opening up and kind of sharing what's behind the scenes and not just, you know, the glossy successes or trying to make it, you know, give that appearance of like, I like everything I touch turns to gold. This is all wonderful. I'm, I'm yeah. doing so well because what I'm achieving is what I, you know, those are my goals and blah, blah, blah. Like you're right, pulling back the curtain and really talking to other people. I mean, like, I didn't realize how much everyone uses Google to do their job on a daily basis. I mean, literally everyone from like engineers and, and you know, people that are, are doing major, major like physical things um, to people like myself who are basically, you know, Googling things like how to like, you know, pick, pick something. Like I, I Google all the time. Um, so that's super helped me. What do you think about the idea, like kind of the, the themes of whether this is inherent to women or whether this is something that gets more enacted on women and they are more likely to suffer because of the, um, maybe their industry or their situation? Yeah, so I definitely think that a lot of this has to do with the way you're raised, um, societal pressure and norms and things that we pick up. Um, as women and pressures that we get placed on and then learn to place on ourselves. Um, so I know at least in the initial research, they did some um, digging into like what family life was like for women who specifically had a lot of imposter syndrome. Um, and I think there were two dynamics that they found really prevalent. One was that the the woman was told all her life that she she's great, you're great at all of this. And when you encounter challenges, um, that doesn't match up with the narrative that you've been told of like, you can do all of this. And that adjustment to realizing you need to put in effort and you need to study and work hard and learn, um, it can feel like that in itself is a failure when it's not. Um, so there are different dynamics yeah. of family life that they've done research on that go into it. Um, just reading the other aspects of the question. I think, I think, so it's, it's so complicated and I just like part of growth mindset principles are saying that you don't know something and being okay with that and accepting that 
um, there's always more to learn. So some of these I don't know how to answer right now. Um, and I would love to hear like if anyone else has has thoughts um, on these questions. I mean, I would second that is, is you know, it's it's a very broad topic because it's not just external like forces working on the person, right? It's there's a lot of psychology. Uh, not just with what you might be dealing with internally, but what else is going on around you. Um, I think it's completely valid to say that, you know, things like microaggression, systemic racism, um, the, the having a, a non-inclusive culture can all like kind of factor into these things, mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to those, um, you know, those feelings when they well up and how you're right, they might not be consistent, but they might be something that you deal with your entire life. Um, there is actually a really good question in here from Karen. Karen wants to know, how do you balance managing imposter syndrome with taking constructive criticism from others? And I feel like this is a really, really great question um, just because, you, like you said, you know, having that, that mindset, at least from the start, or being raised with this attitude that like everything you do is great, then when you, you know, come up against somebody or, or meet somebody that gives you a little bit of constructive criticism, it can either be really like really helpful and help keep you energized towards your goal, or it can actually like absolutely completely derail what you thought, you know, either about your performance currently or how people are seeing your past successes, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you recommend people handle the two uh, of that imposter syndrome, but also constructive criticism? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So I think there's, there's the human aspect to this of sometimes feedback and constructive criticism, it's not going to feel good at first. Um, I think especially, I don't think a lot of us get constructive criticism a lot. So when you do, it's rare and you're not used to um, dealing with it or you don't have the, the habits or skills to really accept it um, perfectly and in a healthy way from the get-go. So I think I would, I would say to at first, acknowledge that it, it's probably going to feel like it's bruising your ego at first. You're going to feel like, oh, this is validating my thoughts that I'm not good. And, you know, they found me out, like this is where it ends. So just acknowledge that that's kind of a thought pattern and a thought habit that will probably happen, um, especially if this is super rare and you feel threatened. So just acknowledge that at first. Um, and then I think where where I try to take it next when you actually can kind of cool down and accept and listen to the feedback and process it is, so within a growth and fixed mindset paradigm, a fixed mindset would stay there and, and say, this is a sign of failure. Um, I am not good. I am not worth this. I'm not enough. And a growth mindset will be able to then process that and say, okay, this person must care about me because um, they could have not told me this thing and they could have just let me continue not improving this and possibly further fail. Um, and since they told me this, they must care. And this is an opportunity for me to internalize this, assess it, try to evaluate if it's fair and if I want to incorporate this feedback um, and then make a plan to try and monitor that and try and actually incorporate that feedback. So I think it, it's hard because I, like I said, I don't think we have a lot of opportunities to do this, at least in my experience. I don't get as much feedback as I think I want. Um, I, I know I've heard that from other people as well. 
Um, so when you do, just really try to thank that person and again, internalize it, accept and um, learn from what you feel is valid um, and take it from there. So sorry, I lost my mute button there for a minute. Um, no, I think that's absolutely right. And you're right, this kind of, the question really like has a lot of layers because getting that constructive criticism and constructive feedback, you know, not everyone is great at giving that, even if what they're trying to tell you is a valid, you know, a valid thing, like a valid pointer for you. Um, it can be really hard to, you know, to take that criticism depending on the source, depending on how they deliver them, you know, the method of delivery, what, you know, if you are in a good mood that day and open to that criticism or not. And Amy is right, you know, that criticism can, can make, can really feed into that feeling that, oh my God, they're finding out, they're figuring out that I'm not, you know, I'm not as great as I thought I was, or as great as they think I am. Um, and you're right, like, it's one of those things you have, kind of have to consider the source and weigh, like, whether this is good for you or not. Um, one of the things that I like to, to think about is like, even if like this, the, even if the source of the information is not someone I particularly admire or really like that much or whatever, I try and take it for like at the surface and try my best not to pile onto that with either negative self-talk or like other, I try not to then like allow this whole big, like, like, um, cascade of other things people have said to me in the past. Mm -hmm. so if you are able to kind of compartmentalize and just look at it in that vacuum, to me, that makes it a lot easier to figure out if this is something that's valid and worth following, even if it's something that I should try for a little while just to see, like, change it up. Um, and sometimes you come out of it realizing, like, the new knowledge you gained is how not to give advice to people. Um, right. But yeah, I think that's, it's totally, you know, it's something that we need, we all need to get better at, um, but it's, it's a difficult thing to do. You know, it's much easier said than done. Um, we only have about 30 minutes left. These sessions go so quickly. So if you have questions for Jackie, make sure that you raise them, um, put them into the group chat. You can come off mute to ask them. Um, I know this one question, I kind of want to touch on this because I think we started to answer it earlier, but just in case there's any more that you want to expand on it. Um, this person wanted to know about how you keep from comparing yourselves to colleagues, especially when it comes to productivity um, and how to deal with that feeling like you're not doing enough at work. I think this existed prior to COVID, but I feel like COVID definitely ramped this up for many people who were then able to work from home um, because you have that feeling, it, instead of having that physical, you know, leaving work at the end of the day or not, you know, having that break, you don't have that anymore. And so it's very easy to feel like you should be doing more, you should be working because you live where you work. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that there are some people that, like I said, had this prior to COVID, um, but you know, I know, I think that this ramped up for a lot of people. So how do you, um, you know, kind of balance that of, of either comparing yourself to other colleagues or even just to the productivity cycle that, you know, America tends to really emphasize in pretty much every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. This is such a good question. Um, and I think comparison, it's, it's something I also struggle with, um, in and outside of work. Um, and I think growth mindset principles and trying to work on your own thought patterns can help this. Like, I, I feel like I, I've tried to work on this both in work and in relationships and rather than compartmentalizing of like, this is just a work issue. It's usually for me an issue all around my life. And so working on it in one place can help me, um, 
kind of realize like, oh, this is actually something you can take outside of work too that will help this other issue you're having. So totally connect with this. Um, and I think, I think this is worth uh, just saying that like imposter syndrome, like feeling like you're in a fixed mindset, you're not the only person. Um, and you would probably be surprised to hear from your colleagues or your coworkers that they're feeling the same way. Um, so again, I, I feel like to me, this comes back to trying to manage these thoughts and trying to um, kind of train your thoughts to go in a different direction with it. So with a growth mindset framework, what they emphasize is that comparison can actually fuel you and motivate you and inspire you to, to look up to what other people are accomplishing and um, kind of allow that to be a model for where you might want to go rather than it um, prohibiting you or feeling like a scarcity mindset of there's not enough of us to, to do all of these great things. Or if I don't do exactly as much as that person, it means I didn't do enough. Um, so letting it inspire you um, is one tip. And again, that takes effort to reframe your thoughts of how you're responding to, you know, catch yourself in that moment um, of like, oh man, I feel like I'm not enough when I compare myself to that for that person pause there and kind of say, okay, well, am I inspired by what they're doing? Is it because I want to do what they're doing? Can I learn from them? Maybe I should set up a one-on-one -on -one with them and kind of chat through things and really learn their story and get more inspired. Um, so letting comparison not uh, inhibit you, but letting it inspire you and that takes effort. Um, and something else is um, to, kind of shift the, the, there's this spotlight effect I think we all have of, oh, everyone must be looking at me and thinking that um, I'm not doing enough or I'm gonna say the wrong thing. And again, like all of these things, a lot of us fall into this um, kind of tendency. And so shifting it out to helping others or learning from others um, can kind of help you break out of that comparison loop um, and really focus on just uh, learning from each other um, and not letting them be a threat to your success. Um, so yeah, the one, the one final thing I would add there is that um, growth mindset focuses on the learning being the goal. And so like I said, there's no real end state. Um, if you do this project or you get this job, you're not like done and a success. Um, we know we're always going to feel these things and we just need to manage them better. And so by focusing on what you've learned and where you've come compared to maybe a year, two years, three years ago, um, focusing on what you've learned rather than just accomplishments, I think can help build that like hype up for yourself. And again, create that evidence that you are doing enough. Um, and maybe if you're not, have you gotten feedback that you're not doing enough? Like check into the realities of what other people have shared with you to challenge um, those doubtful thoughts that all creep in for everyone. Yeah, that that idea of, of looking back to see if anyone else is saying this, like who told you that? You know, is yeah. it somebody whose opinion that you, you know to be true generally? Is it somebody who, you know, you don't want to take advice from? Um, like my biggest thing is, I don't take it like personal advice from somebody that I wouldn't want to switch places with. And I try not to take professional advice from somebody whose career I don't respect, I guess. Like if I, if I see somebody who's like not 
it doesn't have to be something that I want to be doing, but like, I think like, oh yeah, they're really holding it down or they're doing such great things in that area. Um, so for me, that's a little bit, a little bit of a guidepost that I try to follow. Um, mm -hmm. But you're right. It's, you know, Jessica's chiming in in the chat saying that she's been totally surprised to learn that peers of hers think that, that she thinks are extraordinary also suffer from this imposter syndrome. So it's very important, like you said, to talk about it and let it be known that, you know, as long as you're comfortable sharing with that, you're going through it. I mean, there's been times in my life where I was crushing it academically, but personally, like my life was falling apart. And the people that knew me from class, they just thought I was killing it. They thought mm -hmm. I had like excellent study tactics and all this stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is where I'm overcompensating for what's all like all the whole mess that I can't make sense of in the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, so kind of peeking and pulling back that curtain a little bit could help, I think, a lot of us. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, okay, so one of the things that I, we're talking about, you know, kind of harking back to a lot is this idea that you look for, you know, feedback that you've gotten in the past or, um, you know, people, other people that are saying, you know, that you need to improve in this or that. Um, it, if you have made a mistake somewhere in the past and you have learned from it, how can you go about sort of regaining the trust of, you know, the leaders or managers around you again after that, you know, especially if you perceive it to be like a failure or a big mistake? Um, everybody's going to make them, but how how can we, um, you know, kind of revitalize or maybe um, uh, help keep helping and keep improving that relationship with like your lead, your team lead or your manager? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so if you've made a mistake and you want to learn from it, and you're concerned that trust has been damaged um, between potentially your reputation or your relationship with um, your manager or teammates, um, yeah. That's a great question. I think, I think, again, a mistake or getting feedback can feel scary at first. You can have the threat to your ego where you feel this um, this validation that you're a failure is the first. That's that's what likely happens, like just from our monkey brain. Um, and so expecting that, but then pausing there and not letting that run away with your thoughts. Um, taking some breaths and something that we do in software engineering is called a post-mortem. Um, if something goes wrong at our application or product level, we get together as a team, um, we remove blame from the situation and we document the facts of what has happened and led up to a situation. And we document what um, were the causes and what we can take to correct this in the future so that it won't happen again. So it feels really formal, but again, with the theme of, I really believe writing things down, it helps me remember um, and find new learnings. I would write all of this down to yourself um, of what happened, what, uh, what steps you can take to change it in the future, maybe some triggers that you can look out for in the future that uh, can give you pause to, to reassess before you make the same mistake again. Um, so writing that down and then potentially if it's appropriate, talking through your manager with it, I would say to, to show that you're taking the feedback seriously and that it means something to you and that this matters to you that you grow here um, and improve. And opening that door to say, I want to continue receiving feedback about this. This is something I have a goal around improving um, and just making that really explicit because 
again, like we said, it can be really easy to not ever get feedback. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I would do. Write it down, talk about it with people who it, it matters to share it with. I completely second that, especially the idea of talking to your manager about it. Um, I know we we harp on this in a lot of chats, but having that open communication with you know a supervisor, a manager, a team lead, even if it's just like your department head, um, these are important. They're important relationships for a reason. Um, but especially if you think if you think that this was a big enough mistake that that like you're you're thinking that you need to you know somehow regain trust or repair this relationship. Wanting to talk about it with your manager or with whoever, you know, whoever is around you, like that should not be a surprise to your manager. It should mm -hmm. be something that even in the course of the mistake, possibly you'd, you've gotten a chance to talk to them about. But if you don't have that, or if maybe you made the mistake under a previous manager, there's nothing wrong with going in and saying, hey, I know that we don't have like the most transparent communication, or I know that you're very busy. And so we communicate when we need to. But I would, you know, I'm taking this, this situation pretty hard and trying to make sure that I'm learning from it. You know, what feedback do you have for me on this? Is there anything mm -hmm. like, do, do you feel like, like I need to do anything to like reestablish my, um, you know, my credibility or whatever again? Um, and Amy's coming in saying that she has the problem of not really being able to obtain that constructive mm -hmm. feedback. So I think that one of the big takeaways from this is like, know what you want, like know what you're trying to get so that you can ask as specifically as possible. Mm -hmm. And that way, A, a it gives your, your, you know, whoever you're getting feedback from, your manager or whatever, it gives them more of a guideline of like what you're looking for. But it also helps because if that way, if they're not able to give you what you are after, maybe they can send you, you know, pass you along to a different team member or something that could really give them that feedback. But you, that, you can also use that to kind of maybe come a little bit closer. So like, if, you're, if your manager isn't real comfortable saying like, well, yeah, you need to regain my trust and here's the five steps you need to go do that, you can at least like make it more of, um, you know, open up that conversation at least a little bit more than it was before you talked to them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the there's some really great advice going on in the chat. And like you said, Amy shared um, not being able to obtain constructive feedback. Um, I've been in that position. I feel like so many people are in that position. And I almost wonder if giving that feedback to your manager that like, hey, I'm not getting feedback um, and sharing that in a kind, honest way um, to really open that door and show that you're serious about it by giving them feedback, um, maybe that could help break the ice. Um, but something else that I'll drop in the chat, um, my team at Guru is reading the book Radical Candor, um, because we all really want to get better at uh, giving and receiving meaningful feedback. Um, so it's really hard. Um, and we're trying to kind of work through that as a team and practice it more. So highly recommend that book. I absolutely love that suggestion. And you're right, the chat is blowing up here. Alyssa had some really great advice, um, you know, especially in their one on ones is label something as like WW for worked well or DD for do differently. And that can be a, a really good way of saying, like kind of framing these things without saying, well, that was a success or that was a failure. Because most things are not cut and dry one or the other. You at least learn something more. Um, and you know what? That actually makes me think of something that we hear a lot on these chats is that like people that are experts in things or people that know a lot or, or are very skilled, 
you don't learn anything by succeeding. You learn through failure. Mm -hmm. You learn what worked or what didn't work. Um, And so I feel like that's something to to really keep in mind is that people that are top of their field or doing a lot of like really great things, they've made a lot of mistakes in the past. Mm -hmm. They've learned Mm -hmm. from them, but they've made them because everybody does. Um, And that's something that can help me kind of better, better like roll with the punches, especially if you're having what seems to be kind of like, it's not your day or this is not my quarter or whatever. Um, All right. So we've got about 10 minutes left. So let's do one last question here. Um, actually, you know, Amy is coming in, in the chat with a question. So Amy wants to know if you have any advice on requesting a shift with your supervisor to align your growth and help you work on some of these stretch goals. And it sounds like having a shift with them because you might be working a separate shift than your actual supervisor. Amy, correct me if I'm wrong there. But yeah, what, how would you, how would you, um, you know, uh, advise this person to like kind of open up that conversation? Is there like a specific way that you would go about it? Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely, okay. Yeah. New or different responsibility. Um, yeah. So I think first of all, just sharing it with your manager, um, like it sounds really simple, but just share that as I'm interested in this other role or, um, responsibility. Um, is the first step. I don't think you need to have everything prepared um, and thought out for you to just open the door to that conversation because likely it's going to be a longer conversation to figure out a change like that and make that work. So if you notice you've been feeling this way for a while, share it with your manager um, soon so that they're aware of it and can continue the conversation with you. I did something like this at the first company that I was an engineer at where I wanted to move teams internally. um, And I ended up needing to kind of like make the case why. Um, And it was because I I wanted to work more um, specifically on the front end. And I was working a little bit more full stack, more back end leaning on my existing team. Um, And I was aware of that for a little bit of time. And noticed that there was a front-end engineer who was leaving another team and brought that up as a potential gap that I could fill that would fit with where I wanted to go with my goals. Um, And just kind of put that out there as like, hey, I see this person leaving. Um, I've told you that I want to focus more on the front-end in the future. Um, Is there any way we could consider, consider an internal transition or a handoff or where I could do 50-50 on each team and offered up solutions like that in a way that made it clear that I wanted to stay at the company. I wanted to grow here um, and that there was an opportunity for them to really invest in me more. Um, And it ended up going well and it worked out and I moved there and have focused more on the front end ever since. So I think sharing it with your manager, trying to find if there's that gap that is someone leaving and you feel like it's important that they fill that role and you could, you really believe you can do this and offer up that evidence of why? Um, or as a trial period, can I pick up some of these other responsibilities in addition to my work if, if you know, I continue delivering on my work um, as a way to try a transition? Um, I, Amy, does that help at all? I mean, it certainly seems to assess it or address it from my perspective. Um, Amy, if you've got follow-up questions, please feel free to throw them in here. Um, 
Okay, so we only have about eight minutes left. Um, I'm gonna jump to um, some of one of our last, or one of our slides here. Um, so what we did, these questions that are in front of you, these are all based on um, you know, questions that we had previously talked to Jackie about. And um, it's based on you know, some, what her, her um, perceptions and her information, her best advice are in regards to Guru. So you described the company culture as open. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit um, and what, what makes that kind of the best, the best word you could think of to encapsulate your culture? Yeah, so I, I struggled to come up with one word. Open just was one of those first, like this is the first thing that came to mind, so I'll trust it. Um, yeah, I think so. I joined about a year ago and have been remote the whole time because of the pandemic. And even with that, I feel like communication is really open and transparent. Um, we really shy away from private Slack channels. Um, our leadership does uh, bi-weekly town hall meetings where they provide insight into our revenue and how our goals are going. And they're just very involved in um, providing honest progress um, for what's going right and what we can still improve. So I, I've just appreciated that, especially for um, a fully remote company at the moment, um, that I don't feel like there are uh, like hidden pieces of knowledge being dropped um, in our laps. And whenever something does happen where it's like, I didn't know about this, um, it's very easy to talk to someone and share that um, you were surprised maybe by something. And I've seen that happen and seen it corrected um, in the sense of like, we realized there was just a mistake in the, the knowledge communication process and have corrected it. So yeah, I think, one other thing to pile on is since we're a knowledge management solution, um, we use Guru, we use our own product as our internal knowledge base. And so we really value documentation and having information available um, so that no one is ever like blocked from doing their job um, because of just not having information. Yeah, I think that's really, you're right. Open open doesn't just tell you that, you know, you guys are, are very collaborative and you know open to helping people and stuff, but it also you're right. It 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 also covers the fact that you you're not tied up in the bureaucracy, right? It's not like well I can't talk to that person. They're not my lead, or they're you know three levels above me. I've got to go through chain of command first. Um, and I feel like even you know Power to Fly has a little bit of that, but mostly if you have a question, you raise it. Like if you have an idea, put it out there. We're more than happy to consider you know consider great ideas because they can literally come from anywhere. Um, all right, so your top tips for someone who's interviewing are to do your homework and sign up for a Guru account. Obviously the Guru account's a little bit self-explanatory there, um, but what do you mean when you say do your homework? Is there like certain yeah. things that are, are kind of part and parcel of that or maybe something that you do on your own checklist that maybe other people wouldn't think of? Yeah, yeah, so if I do your homework, um, I think I, I mean to really research the company um, however you can, whether it's their website. Um, so I guess specifically for Guru, you can read a lot about us on our website. We have a blog. Um, we have our values publicly listed out on our website and you can try to understand if they connect and resonate with you at all. Um, something else I would recommend is for, for any job search, not just looking into Guru, is looking at a company's Glassdoor page. 
Um, that is something I've never ignored when interviewing at a company is I, I don't ignore their Glassdoor reviews. That's like super meaningful because it's coming straight from people who have worked there or interviewed there and honest reviews um, because it's anonymous. Um, and so I think one more piece on the homework part, like specifically for technical or engineering um, interviews, they can be really scary, um, at least from my experience. It's not necessarily a fun piece of the engineering interviewing process. Um, so part of doing my homework there is trying to practice. Um, there are tools that you can do practice interviews. There's some, I think one is called PRAMP. Um, I haven't used it in a little bit, but there are practice interview tools that can just help you feel more prepared um, and get like the jitters out and be able to articulate your first version of the interview and have it more refined for the next one. Um, and then oh, signing yeah. up for a guru account just helps you have more to talk about in the interview and be a little more familiar with um, the product and hopefully get more excited about it. So that will shine through in the interview as well. Oh yeah, for sure. And just as a flag, um, I don't know that the event is live yet, but we're having an, an, um, a power to fly uh, mock interview session um, a week from tomorrow. So it's going to be on Thursday, the 24th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, we're going to be doing one of these and it's a really great exercise because you do it round robin style and you get to talk to each other about your, you know, uh, typical questions that you get in job interviews. And at least for me, I get a lot more constructive and useful feedback um, from something like that, as opposed to like asking my best friend or my mom or my husband, like, here, ask, ask me these questions and see how I do. Um, so definitely sign up for that if you have any interest. Um, the event should be live either today or tomorrow, I'm guessing, um, but it's happening on the thurs on Thursday, the 24th. I'll be hosting, so you'll see at least one friendly face. Um, all right, so we're going to flip the slide here to some of the open roles at Guru. I'm going to uh, share the links to these, um, these jobs in the thread right now. But are there any um, jobs on this list that really, you know, either speak to you that you can speak about? Um, somebody that would be like, you know, part of your, um, what am I trying to think of? Part of your, you know, part of your team or somebody that you would work with in any way? Yeah. So, um, yeah, these three jobs are not all of the jobs on our website. So definitely check those out. One of them on the careers page is for my team. And I see a couple other people on my team here today. So it's a super supportive team. Um, you can trust that. And uh, the software engineer full stack, I know explicitly is a mid-level role. Um, so for a while we were only hiring senior because we wanted to make sure we were prepared and had the bandwidth to properly mentor and train and onboard um, more of a mid-level engineer. So that's an exciting one, um, full stack. And then senior software engineer for the back end um, is a high priority one, as well as the senior product designer for our growth team. Um, but there are a lot more on the website. There's marketing, there's, um, I believe we just opened up another recruiter role. Um, and most of them are open to remote. So. I think, I, I don't know if our recruiter Joe is on the call here, but he said that we're planning on updating this like weekly. So definitely keep it up. If there's nothing open right now, um, there probably will be in the future. Hey, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe, you're welcome to come off mute um, if you would like to add any more detail to this before we jump. Um, if not, that's totally fine too. There you are, Joe. Hey everyone. Um, no, Jackie, Jackie nailed it. Um, that is what we have going on right now. And I always encourage people just to keep a, 
keep an eye on that careers page and um, either on Power to Fly because you all get the updates quickly as well, or on our site. Um, you change right now, we're changing almost weekly as far as updates. So, thank you for that. Yeah, I absolutely second that. Um, like I had said earlier, um, take a look at the follow network, it's a big pink button, it'll be in the upper right hand corner of Guru's company page. Clicking that will tell Guru that you're interested, but it's also going to keep you up to date on the roles they post. Now, um, I know sometimes we have people that ask about this. If you do apply via um, Guru's own company page as opposed, or you know, their own website as opposed to via Power to Fly, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, applying via Power to Fly does not hurt you in any way. We don't take a cut of salaries. We don't take commissions on that kind of stuff that sets us apart from a lot of the traditional headhunting firms. Um, so we don't do any of that. It's not at all bad for you. Just um, if you do apply via getguru.com um, directly, I, I hope that you'll tell them you came from Power to Fly, um, if only so we can keep showing, uh, you know, showing Guru that we bring, the, you know, amazing, um, amazing talent and amazing applicants to them. So please feel free to do that. Um, all right. So in our last uh, minute here, I just want to say a huge thank you to Jackie. Um, this is not... Uh, you know, it's not just the hour you spend with us. There's a ton of, of um, effort and, and work that goes in on the back end for this. So I just want to say a huge thank you to, to Jackie for joining us today. Um, it was really nice to get to spend the afternoon with you. Um, and I absolutely love this conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks, Meg, for and your team um, helped, helped me prepare so much. And thanks, everyone, for coming. Hope you got thank something you. out of it. Oh, based on the chat alone, I think people absolutely did. <laughs> um, I just want to say a huge thank you to our, our, um, our audience as well. We really, you know, these events do not happen without you. And, and we hope that you enjoy them and you get uh, the information that you want out of them. So thank you to everybody that participated today um, and, and shared links and advice and, and resources in the chat. I always love to see that. So thank you to everyone for that. Um, that concludes the chat for today. Um, don't forget we've got um, we've got some other events happening um, either later today there's going to be uh, or sorry tomorrow there's um, a chat about navigating your way to the C-suite at 1 p.m. Eastern. There's also an office hours um, interview with Power to Fly's career coach for, at three o'clock Eastern tomorrow. So hopefully y'all will um, check out some of our upcoming chats and I can't wait to see many more of you um, attend in the future. So thanks so much for being with us. Have a lovely rest of your Wednesday and we'll see you later. Bye everybody. Thank you. Goodbye.